0: Welcome to episode 42 of Blue Jays Happy Hour Live. We are back in our intended format, uh, in our intended home at Colin. Um, We had a a little bit of issues, we had a bit of hiatus, we came back and now we are live for the first time. We are coming to you after a 10 to nothing win for the Toronto Blue Jays. It was, you know, Stoughton, you like to say never in doubt, Uh, this had a a real never in (laughs) doubt feel to it. What are you going to take away from this one? I mean, we can touch on Ross Stripling a bit. His regular season is is probably over here. Um, you know, big days for Teosco Hernandez, Danny Jansen. What is the, yeah, the prevailing takeaway from today's win?
1: Uh, this team can look really good. Uh, and it's a nice reminder of that. I mean, yeah, as we spoke about off air, you know, the, the Red Sox are bad. Um, but, you know. Uh, you play who was in front of you and and, uh, after what has been a frustrating season to have seen them you know to go out I guess the takeaway is that they did what they did last night and still came back and played pretty well today Uh, better than pretty well Uh, you know with Jordan Romano out there hacking darts in the clubhouse and champagne everywhere and uh, uh, you know we've definitely seen somebody it wasn't you, Nick. I don't think, but so, so I was talking to somebody about like the the lineup that the the Jays ran out after they clinched in 2015, and it's just like it's just abominable. <laughs> like like <laughs> they like they just full on took a hangover day. Um, it was it, it just just the worst lot li- because especially those were the days of the uh, of the the full September call ups, like the full 40 man roster. So it was just like nobody that was ever going to play. I think it was Chris Colabello maybe got in that one, but, but like, uh, you know, they still have unfinished business. So they, they, they did the, they did the right thing. They, they celebrated as they deserved to, and, uh, uh, came back strong the next day, which is, uh, which is great. And it's just, it's nice to feel good about this team moving into the most important part of the year. Uh, it can, it, it's been an up and down season as everybody has you know understood and, and followed along with, but, uh, I don't know. It it could, it could go away at any moment, but but right now you're like, okay, well, you start thinking about like the Braves getting hot at the right time last year, or or, or teams that have you know that kind of a thing in them, and uh, you know streaky teams aren't always streaking downwards. So maybe the, maybe it bodes well for the Jays. I don't know. It, it feels like we should be positive in this moment.
0: Yeah, a, a couple things on the hangover component. One, uh, Melissa Couteau of Canadian Press was tweeting, kind of goes to show. The youth of this team that they're able to play after hangover at that, which is a, a tweet that I felt um, deep in my soul individually uh, that yeah all these guys are in their early mid 20s and therefore they are able to kind of spring out of bed and get to it at 3 p.m. game, maybe a little bit better than a 1 p.m. would have been. Uh, you know, Jordan Romano, maybe a couple fewer darts and he gets to that inning. Who's to say, (laughs) um, the other thing is I, I, you know, I asked a a friend of mine who's a Red Sox fan is like, kind of as a joke, should I, should I throw some money on the Red Sox today? You know, with the Blue Jays being hung over up and down the lineup. And he said, you know, the Red Sox can't beat a hungover high school team right now. So, uh, that was all the encouragement I needed not to engage in that. And, uh, (laughs) that, that advice was, uh, was good advice because the blue Jays absolutely dominated in this game, you know, stripling a lot of the stuff that stripling does, you know, not a ton of strikeouts, but he's not putting anyone on base. No unforced errors on his part. Um, Good command of the strike zone, good pitch mix, weak contact. Like, you you know, it's kind of the idea of doubting stripling is, uh, you know, it's kind of gone by the wayside at this point. We've seen enough. He's, he's really good at least this season. And, you know, we've had the conversation about his future with the Blue Jays and contract many times. And this is not the time, I don't think, for that conversation. But for now, I think you just have to kind of believe that stripling is good, even if there are things that tell you otherwise. The one other thing I did want to point to from this game before we move on to the celebration, which I think what everyone wants to talk about, um, because that was some very interesting television. But I did want to point to Otto Lopez finally getting his first Major League hit. And the reason I wanted to do that, one, it's his twenty fourth birthday, so that's kind of cool, um, uh, making that moment even more special. But also you you feel for him because he's someone who's been up and around the team a significant amount over the last couple of years and knocking on the door, and he's done his part and he's done well in the minor leagues, so it is good to see him get rewarded with, you know, an opportunity just to come to the plate, which has been hard to for him to get at the major league level, um, and for him to come through with that, you know, that clean and the old timey hit that goes a ground ball right up the middle that a lot of shifts are swallowing up these days, and uh, is going to be a hit in the future. And that was uh, that was nice to see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, he's definitely a guy who's been around a lot, and uh, you know, in other organizations and worse organizations, he'd have seen a lot more big league time to this point. I think, uh, but unfortunately for him, you know, the Jays have uh, have some real guys there ahead of him, um, and, or or Whit Merrifield. Who's to say? <laughs>
0: If, yeah, I mean, I remember my trip to, uh, you know, see the Jays and Pirates and the lineups I saw in Pittsburgh. I feel like Otto Lopez would have been at home uh, in those lineups getting plenty of at bats. Um, But, you know, it's a double edged sword coming up with a franchise that's not junk. And uh, Lopez has felt so the worst side of that, maybe someday he'll get to feel the better side of that. Uh, We can only hope. But let us move to the celebration that everybody watched last night because it was a bit of an odd thing. Um, you know, it wasn't spontaneous, which these things, I mean, they're planned to a degree, you know, the clubhouse people are planning what's going to be involved in that and, you know, the the beverages that are bought and the way the clubhouse is set up. It's not like that happens for a moment's notice, but this time, you know, they uh, they they clinched on the day off and then they promised to celebrate win or lose, which is something that I can't recall uh, hearing in the past, although, it, you know, it absolutely makes sense. These guys do deserve to celebrate. But I think, you know, listeners and you know that I, I like thinking about alternate histories and what might have happened and hypotheticals. And I do find myself wondering just how weird that would have been if they had just got smacked around by the Red Sox, for instance, and then come in and done all of that.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, it, it was definitely weird at the time. It worked out, obviously. Uh, I can't imagine it would it would have had the same sort of tone like it, it, it you know, it worked so well because of, like, the way that they did play on Friday. But, like, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I it seemed like an odd thing to me, uh, especially with stuff still to celebrate. I mean, you can celebrate at the very end. You can celebrate once you clinch home field, uh, which they may still do. Um, you know, up to them. They're, they're well-deserved. And, I don't know, giving themselves a reason. You know, pre-planned celebration. Maybe that... Maybe that drives you to uh to make sure you you hit everything in front of you uh i i I, I don't know uh the the alternate history is interesting to think about uh for sure unfortunately we didn't get to experience it
0: i mean one of the things that came out of that was was hazel's performance in this situation and there are you know there are other beat writers in there they're taking photos and they're trying to do something but obviously hazel may is front and center she's on television that's what most people are watching trying to get the interviews reminding every human being on the planet that they're live on Sportsnet, uh, which was you know, absolutely wise and absolutely advisable. However, uh, I would say ineffective to the goal of not having both swear on camera, which I th- also think was unavoidable. And if people are clutching their pearls about that, uh, I don't think they understand what kind of guys uh, professional athletes and baseball players are necessarily. Um, Which I don't consider to be a negative by any means, you know, there's some salty gentlemen in that uh, clubhouse and that's absolutely fine and some fired up people and that's, that's great. I I have a hard time imagining that people would really be mad at that. But you know, there are broadcast standards to uphold and all that. Uh, I, you know, just putting yourself in the shoes of Hazel May in that moment. And also, I knew, I don't know what your experience of getting alcohol in your eyes is. Um, I would say mine's not zero that can be tough um you know it, it's not easy it's it's not you know there's a reason in so many sitcoms and movies and whatnot you have scenes where people are dramatically throwing drinks in the face of other people it is not a necessarily a pleasant thing and uh, i know she was talking about her mascara and stuff i just do think that you know she got the shout out from dan and buck i think they said that she deserved the you know the canadian screen awards or whatever calling those things nowadays consideration for that but i, I do i did want to do it again because it was not an easy situation. She was actually trying to get some legitimate questions answered from people who really are not there to do that. And, uh, yeah, she was really – she was in the trenches for that individual night, and uh, I thought she did really well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she, she wasn't in a war zone or anything, but like, – yeah,
0: it, like It's a matter – I mean, yeah. But, like, yeah,
1: like, absolutely. It's – that's that is the nature of that thing, and I think what she said was was great about how you know going back to the swearing thing, like I, like it was we were privileged to they were privileged to bring cameras and allow fans into the players' space and the team's space, uh, and you know I don't know I don't think that the they they need to alter like alter their decorum uh, when, in that being the case, right? I mean they the 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 cameras and the fans and everybody else in there should I guess just be happy to be there maybe that's uh, maybe that's a bit too far I mean also there was you know Buck was telling the story about the players' wives going in in uh, in uh, in '85 uh, Paul Beeson you know the, the, just be happy to be there is not is not re- really the uh, the historically the way to look at it because there's a lot of people who had to fight for the access to those kind of spaces. But right now, for that during that celebration, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it's there. It's theirs to own and theirs to enjoy. And um, yeah, I don't think anybody needs to clutch their pearls about uh, about the language. And I think you're right that Hazel like uh, did an incredible job. It was an incredible professional. i I've not, not had a ton of alcohol in my in my in my eyes. I mean, usually I usually get it in the spot that I would like it to be. Um, but yeah, yeah well, I'm
0: like, I'm well over 95%. It's not like a 50-50 proposition, it's just like <laughs> over the course of a lifetime. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. Then I'll speak for you as well. It's not Good. great.
1: Uh, I, I'm sure it's not.
0: But it is, uh, no, I. I th- you, you hit the nail on the head when you said like, you know, it's kind of a privilege. Like take aside, you know, the access component. And you're absolutely right. People have fought for access. But just from a fan perspective, like this is what... You know, Blue Jays fans want to see so desperately. And I think part of the appeal of this team is the youth, the energy, the excitement. And I know that if you follow a baseball team over the course of an 162 game season, you are invested as a fan. No matter what, you are going to be excited to see these guys get to have a moment like that. But I do think that there's something about this team. And a lot of these guys played in the minors together. A lot of the most important guys on the team are younger when we've compared them in the past to the 2015 2016 teams like you know you could argue you know they're not right now as good as the 2015 team for instance that doesn't you know they could go farther than the playoffs because the playoffs are weird that way but they are more likable i would say and we didn't really spend much time dwelling on the likability of the 2015 2016 teams because often they were kind of portrayed as villains and you know the fan base was happy to be like screw you guys we don't care if you're the villains and blah, blah, And we love this team. And I'm not saying those teams shouldn't be loved. What I'm saying is that this team, there is sort of something about the way these guys interact. You know, I'm thinking even in today's game, the stupid, you know, teosca Hernandez water bottle thing that he's pulling on Vladdy and, you know, the way Vladdy dances and, uh, you know, I tweeted about it, but yeah, no one else on the team can dance. That's a bit of a weakness for the franchise. Something they can address in the off season potentially. Um, But I do think that it goes beyond the idea of, oh, this is a team, and they've accomplished a thing, and I'm a fan of this team, and therefore this is cool. Maybe it's wrong, maybe it's a poor perspective, because I just am not locked in on enough other franchises. But it does feel like there's something about the connection between these fans and this team. And it's partly, I think, due to the connection between the players on this team and the way that they... Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to measure chemistry and to know. And there's probably guys in that room that don't like each other that we don't know about and all kinds of stuff. But it seems like uh, it's a bit of a special atmosphere.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I, I, also about you know, 2015, 16, like they were assholes and nobody liked them except the their own. Maybe some of that was harsh. I think uh, you know, Jose Bautista seems pretty awesome. Josh Donaldson. Maybe uh, uh, maybe people have revised their opinion of him a little bit in the uh, in the. The years since uh easier to do when you're a yankee but also when you're you know being extremely weird about tim anderson and stuff um but yeah uh i I think that there's definitely something to that and it was interesting that the buck martinez uh who you know we talked about last time or I i definitely wrote about like some of the ranting that he did uh about the mental mistakes uh had a bit of a different tune uh, seeing, you know, a better, a better form of baseball see from the team, you know, seeing Oscar, you know, not admiring his, uh, his doubles <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, and, and there was like that portion of the broadcast where they, they definitely did get into this stuff. And I think that it, it is, it is on point. I think that they're, you know, they are absolutely a likable team because of that chemistry they have with each other. and And, uh, and it's, it is a nice and fun thing. And it's a thing that, uh it's tricky though, too, I think, in a way it has a it has a flip side, which is just like how do you break up this team if it isn't if it doesn't end up being good enough right and I know we've talked about that uh for a while like how like Teoscar's contract is is going to be up after next year like where do you you know where where do you go with that like uh if you want to go a different direction or if he prices himself out i mean that that's uh that's going to be interesting because they've relied so much on chemistry to make this culture and this team what it is. Um, but you know, while, while it's here and while, you know, the chemistry is good and while the vibes are good and while, you know, they're playing like they they have the last couple of days, um, yeah, it's great. It's great to watch these guys have fun together and enjoy, you know, enjoy being together and playing together and winning together and not, you know, just being stalking around angry all the time. (laughs) Uh, Fun as that can be in its own way.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I think about the Teoscar Hernandez waving the pirate flag for this team, which sort of feels kind of silly. And I don't know if you kind of superimpose that over another one of those 2015-2016 teams and it's a Donaldson doing it and it seems kind of threatening. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, I, one thing I think it may be missed was sort of that, I don't know, maybe this is an unfair interpretation, but the the kind of like iconic moment memory that we're always going to have from that celebration, like, you know, the for me, it's the Deonor Navarro with the cigar and the cop's hat. Um, it was just like this truly insane image. And, you know, if, for this one, we've got Mermano with some darts and we've got like a 10 second clip of Vladdy dancing uh, on the field with a bunch of guys standing around not doing anything. Um, it would have been cool to have one of those and I don't know, like maybe there'll be something that gets memefied in the future, but it would have been good to walk away from this with, uh, with an iconic meme. And I'm not sure that that happened.
1: No, I mean, Romano and the darts is pretty good. I, I did not dislike that. Um, I think you could, I think you can meme that I had to look closer to make sure that wasn't fake when I first, uh, when I first saw the, the still image of it um yeah i don't know that's it's pretty good but but i mean the diana navarro one that's that's truly impossible to like reach those heights i think that that was uh that was just too perfect uh also got a kikuchi save which uh you know not part of the celebration but uh (laughs) certainly certainly notable and certainly like that has a potential to uh to be part of that lore uh you know, going forward we'll uh you know, who who knows where all that's gonna go. Um but you know there did uh, seem
0: some genuine affection for him and they, they mentioned that on the broadcast today in terms of guys trying to make him feel included and you did get that sense and it is something we've touched on before, the idea that like, as much as Kikuchi has struggled, I think more so than the fans, the players have an understanding about how baseball can be this game of failure and a little bit more tolerance, perhaps, for a guy going through a rough period, especially a guy who I think anyone can plainly see is pretty talented, not just sort of a bum uh, who doesn't belong there, but someone who really does have the talent and has kind of gone through the ringer a little bit. And, uh, this was just another example. It seems like of the support that he's appeared to get from around that clubhouse.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it it's true. I mean, like the strikeout numbers are pretty impressive. Like you can't be a bum and, and strike out, you know, 11 guys per nine or whatever it is in the big leagues, even if, you know, walks and hits and hit by pitches are happening um, perhaps too frequently, though not, not, on not, uh, not on Friday night, but perhaps too frequently throughout the season, uh, around those events. Um, but yeah, no, that, uh, that, that is, that is always sort of heartwarming stuff as well, which I, there is no, there's no analog for, for that with the, uh, the 2015, 16 club, but, uh, but that, that would be, that would be interesting. I think too, the, uh, the, 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 members of the tri-league are, are the, they're the, the not, it's not the tri-league, um, might've had a different reaction to it. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I, it was, it was weird. Cause I, like, like we said off the top, like it, it was the pre-plannedness of it just seemed so odd. And that it actually sort of ended up working out into the, you know, as a, as a, a really kind of nice celebration that they had. Uh, uh, contributing to the good vibes, I think contributing to making you, you feel like, okay, maybe there, maybe this team has got something. I mean, or, you know, maybe they'll, lose their next two and we won't feel like that at all
0: i don't want to derail us uh too much because there is quite a lot that's gone on since we last spoke but we do have a a chat uh and i do want to honor that because sometimes we can have shy chatters in here milk tier spec milk tier respecter uh which players would you speculate will not be here next opening day that was kind of when we were talking about whether you know at some point the difficulty of potentially breaking up this group uh it is interesting the easy answer has always been lourdes like he's a guy who's sort of been an adequate starter for them and someone who lengthens out their lineup but also is not a huge offensive star and a bit of a defensive negative in a non-premium position um that is the that's a spot at least from a position player standpoint there's not a lot other than that, you can do in terms of finding a clear upgrade. Second base is another spot that you can address. Um, but even if you do address second base, for instance, I think the guys you have like you know, Merrifield and BG and stuff could have uses in just smaller roles and they're under contract. So I don't think it necessarily means they're gone per se. So if someone who's sort of under contract with this team was going to be gone, kind of quote unquote, breaking up the group a little bit, uh, I always tend to believe that Lourdes is that guy.
1: Yeah, I, I I think so. I mean, I think it's the same question that we've that we've had all year. Like that, that is probably that guy. Um, you also have the catching situation, which you know contractually isn't it, it, the issue. Isn't as forced though. With Lourdes, it's like I mean, it's a one year. Like next year is his last year. So, um, so I I mean, there's some value there, but I don't know what you, like if there's enough to make to make that worthwhile but I think obviously you have correctly identified that there's room for improvement there Um, as much as we liked his 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 slap hitting sort of turn in the middle of this year it's uh, I don't think that that's enough to make him more than like a pretty much an average regular I think if you put it all together you put the whole package together uh but yeah, one of the catchers is I mean, I don't I, I think Moreno is just is just ready. So something's gonna have to happen there probably. But uh I don't know. They seem to like rolling three catchers anyway. So I I I, I that's gonna be really, really tough for them this off season. That is a really, really big question, I think. Um because if they don't it, I think they're just leaving value on the table, right? Like you're, you 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 are just not good there's not enough at bats to go around. You you can maximize what you can get out of those, ta- the, those talents by moving one elsewhere and having one someone else who can contribute in a way that, that isn't as blocked by the other two uh, and then Ross Triplett is the other one which is nobody wants to think about just yet as we've already said but he's a free agent so you know
0: yeah, well you will leave it there cuz it is just a it is just a it's such a rabbit hole like and and if anything I just don't think this is the moment to necessarily think about the off season. I know that's not how people's brains work right now, you know, just people it's hard to live kind of week to week game to game, but that is what winding down, yeah, I, mean, I was going to say September, winding down the season and entering the playoffs, it become like the big picture does fall away a little bit and it is about the small things yeah. in the chat. Also, just me says, as a shy caller listener, thanks for not forgetting us. So I just want to acknowledge that because it was a message about acknowledgement. Yeah,
1: um, messages sometimes don't, like, I, can't, I can't see any of these messages right now. I don't know why. They sometimes never come up for me. So
0: well, I, I, was,
1: I yeah, always, I if people think we're ignoring the chat, but uh,
0: yeah, I'm always looking at them. I hope that, the, I don't know, maybe they're ones I don't see. And if so, we apologize, but note that we are trying. Um One thing I do want to make sure we get to is is Manoa's season because it looks like Manoa is uh is done it look you know John Schneider kind of said we feel good about him in game one potentially it wasn't a promise necessarily, but they seem to have gone back on the initial thought of having him potentially pitch that last game if they needed
1: well, to uh, insane, i think right
0: well, yeah, I mean that was a terrible idea it didn't make any <laughs> sense i but you know, and, and it also just opened the door for shitty discourse about like his own ownership is pulling the strings and it's all about money and
1: not a lot of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, I'm just glad that that conversation is not one that we necessarily need to have. But you started to saw and I, I'm not sure I saw this coming and maybe I just wasn't thinking about it enough. But when Manoa wrapped in his last start here. You saw a lot of those tweets about, you know, where Manoa's season ranks in history, you know, the second lowest ERA, nearly 200 innings pitched at a time where 200 innings pitch is a very difficult thing to do. Do you find yourself thinking that this is going to be a season that sort of, I don't know, held up in the future, like the Manoa 2022, and maybe he'll just, you know, best it and blow it out of the water, it'll be another Manoa season it is hard to kind of look in the crystal ball with him. They have a long time still with Alec Manoa and he's clearly an incredibly talented pitcher. Um, But I I don't know as we were watching a season, he was fantastic and I'm I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but I did not find myself thinking like, Oh, this is going to go down as sort of one of the great seasons uh, in blue Jays history from a starting perspective. And, you know, to some degree, the numbers don't lie to another degree, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, offense being down you can look at the FIP and the expected ERA. They're both about to run better. There's probably some luck involved here. The strikeouts also came down, which was a bit weird. So it it felt like even though he's doing something incredibly well, there was a way in which his game wasn't necessarily growing. Uh, maybe that affected it for me. I, I think that my brain is just maybe poisoned a little bit, and I should just keep it simple and say this was an amazing season, and it should be remembered as one of the best.
1: Yeah, probably that probably that but uh but i know i know where you're coming from exactly like it is uh like it it, it it does stick in your brain a little bit to 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 think of how many times we've been like oh he didn't have his best stuff but he got it his way through and some of that is the strikeouts kind of coming down which i think and there was you know in the fan graphs, uh trade uh value piece uh, in the middle of the season was like yeah he kind of is just doing a it's a it's a pitch efficiency thing and it, he's kind of doing a thing where he's uh uh, Verlander a little bit and saving himself for later in the innings and trading you know early strikeouts to trading early velocity for you know being able to go deeper into games and there is, there's definitely something to, I mean if you look at the the numbers like this year compared to last like the number of like the the way that his velocity has has gone I think t- sort of inning by inning uh, is you know he is he's holding things back a little bit just so that he can finish strong and he's also uh, he's uh, He's just been. I can't. I forget what I forget what I was gonna say. God damn it. Uh, that, that's uh, that's rare fumble there. Um, but no, he he um, he's just gone deeper into games. Basically, I guess is what I was gonna say. Like he he has done a really nice job of that. But and I I get why it's like scary. It it because it, it is. It's a weird. It's because he's not Verlander. He's not a guy who's even you know. Even even in his you know saved velocity, it's not like he's above ninety five a lot. Like he's, uh, uh, it's a different kind of thing, especially for such a big guy. But also, I don't know. There've been guys with, with that size with you know lower velocities that that can make it work. And it's obviously just really really tough to to square up. And it's it's been a really incredible season. I mean, I think he's at the point of like an Aaron Sanchez twenty sixteen right now. Uh, probably better than that. Even though you know that was maybe more. Impressive in terms of like just how filthy that stuff was, um but it's weird i mean i it, uh, the batters certainly found Manoa's stuff just as difficult to deal with, so uh yeah, I don't th- I think you gotta be careful to not take anything away from him because it's been such a ridiculously good season um but yeah i i i I don't know, I think we should just appreciate it and and you know he strings a couple more like this along. Maybe even a little less luck, uh, you know. If that fluctuates a little bit, I think he's still a really, really effective pitcher for a really long time, and, and obviously a guy they trust a ton, despite like how young he is and how green he was when he came up just last year. Um, which I think says a lot. And I like what, like, just even the fact that they've let him, you know, go without any uh, without any limitations on in terms of innings and stuff. I mean, is a, is a pretty big deal. I mean, speaking of Aaron Sanchez, twenty sixteen, like that was a conversation. That whole year, cause they were afraid of how that arm would 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 hold up to the rigors, which was kind of proven accurate uh, the years to follow. And uh, and Manoa, they just don't have that with him, which is uh, which bodes well, I think, because that's like obviously a vote of confidence for you know him being a worker horse for them for a very long time, especially considering his age right now. Uh, and just like they obviously really think extremely high highly of him. I mean, he's going to start Game One of their playoffs. Like it's it's. Uh, Uh, That's, that's crazy for a second year guy who, you know, started the year before in like high A or whatever the hell it was.
0: Or having, yeah, uh, the thing with Manoa that it kind of gets me thinking about how, you know, at least I perceive baseball and I'm not trying to speak for anyone else. But if you think of what he does this year, it kind of reminds you, and it's a 2022 version, like it's a different era. But it reminds you a little bit of what Halliday would do, right? Like, Halliday would pitch deeper than other guys would pitch. He would, you know, sometimes get hit a little bit, and, you know, all you would get a lot of the comments about, you know, Halliday didn't have his best stuff today, didn't have the curve today, or the cutter wasn't quite there, but he really gritted it out. Like, a lot of that discourse was the same. The workload, obviously not the same, but pretty similar kind of in the context of the era, You know, the strikeout rate not necessarily being the most, you know, the incredible in the world. Like, Halliday had good velocity, but there are guys who had better velocity than him. I'm not making this comparison to say, like, Alec Manoa is Roy Halliday. You know, Halliday, for instance, did not walk anyone. And that's a huge difference, sort of, between them, kind of, from a fit perspective, for instance. Mm. But when, you know, when I used to watch Halliday, I was a much younger person who was not engaged with some of these other things. So all I thought was, man this guy you know he pitches basically the whole damn game and the other team doesn't score and the blue jays win when he plays and this (laughs) is pretty incredible and you could say all of those same things about manoa really it's just that now you know you know more and i think kind of in a sense ignorance is bliss a little bit like so I, I, i can find myself poking holes in manoa that, that there are some real things there, like I don't think his e r a will be as low next season, like i don't think he will leave guys on base at an eighty six percent rate or whatever uh it is you know there are some statistical indicators that things thinks he will come back to earth to a certain extent, but it it, it is kind of weird and almost a little bit sad that i i can't perceive something very similar the way that I did when I was, you know, watching baseball back then when I was sort of first getting into baseball and also, you know, being a child is helpful as well.
1: Jesus being a child for Roy holiday. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I think that, I think that's a great comparison, and and he was a guy who pitched to contact a lot. They would talk about like like you say the same sort of things like we're like like efficiency over you know you know having strikeout ability in his back pocket, but not necessarily always using it because guys can't square him up anyway, uh, and knowing when to use it and having a really great idea of what he is doing up there. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of comparisons there, and 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 some of that stuff can maybe be a little more sticky if the if this is you know if you're if you, Manoa really is that kind of guy. Like and those there are guys like that who consistently like beat their FIP and who consistently can manage quality of contact better than just the the oh whatever FIP thinks it is the, the defense like you know you take that all out, out of the equation. Um, so yeah, no, I the, 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 this to me like. This encourages me. I feel good about about that comparison because it is right, and it is maybe more like in our brains and in your brain, or in like just the way that we talk about the game and the way that you know everybody values uh, velocity and and just what the shape of what a great pitcher is is supposed to be. Uh, he doesn't necessarily fit it, at least in terms of like you know what his what his like arsenal looks like, but. Uh, but yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean any I mean he's got that great slider. he's got he, the, the fastball obviously gets on top of guys. Um, it's not like it's a bad arsenal. It's not like the, he has pitches that don't work really, really well. It just doesn't it just isn't 99. And uh, yeah, that's just the thing that we have to get ourselves out of uh, to appreciate it because you know it, it, it can still work in this era, obviously.
0: So basically, yeah, he is a uh, future yeah, hole, I think. Right. Is, I, that's
1: I, the, I think we've talked ourselves into that. I, 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 you've done it.
0: That would be on on brand for you know this podcast. <laughs> he's a, he's an essential to the history of this podcast. We'll see about the history of the Blue Jays. Um, there's more more to be said about that in the future. There are a couple things I want to touch on. We are not super long on time here, but uh, things that we need to talk about. I think one of them is Buck Martinez sort of quietly, not Requiring. saying that he's yeah you you know know buck he's 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 gen z through and through um no he like not saying necessarily that he's stepping away but saying that that's on the table which is something he's never suggested before like first get this out of the way he's had incredibly serious health concerns this year he's over 70 he has a family this all makes perfect sense like i I don't think that, you know, a lot of people will miss Buck when he leaves Blue Jays broadcast, whether it's next year or in the future, um, you know, he's been a huge part of it. Like you, I think, very aptly referred to him as sort of the face of the franchise at times when the Blue Jays were listless and, you know, kind of irrelevant. He was he was a constant and you know he's been around the blue jays in different roles over time whether that's play by play versus color he's been the you know the manager goddammit. uh he's been everything uh to the blue jays and i don't want to go too far down this because of the possibility that he's absolutely back but there's something about buck and the continuity that he's brought to the blue jays broadcast that it there even at his age even with his circumstances there's something shocking about contemplating the uh, absence of him from, from the Blue Jays experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we felt that a bit when he was away from the mic, you know, getting the, the cancer treatment this year. And that was, uh, you know, that that was a loss uh, obviously. And it was, it was so great to see him come back as quickly as he did and, and to, to be the old Buck again. He's Mr. Blue Jay. Like he really, he really is like, like who else would it be? Like he's just been around the team for so long. He's such a huge part of everything that there is about the Blue Jays. Like, he's just, he's that guy and has worked with the team, for the team, you know, whatever you, whatever you call the relationship between the broadcasters and the team they're kind of working for the team. Um, but, you know, he's he's just that guy. And yeah, I like, his contract is up. I, I, I don't think that, I think because of the reasons you say, because of his age, because of the health, because of, you know, maybe it's just time. Maybe, you know, it's a lot of travel. It's a lot, even like in a, in a, you know, in a reduced role, even with, you know, a, a crew of four or or three, the way they've done it, you know, maybe if you count Joe Siddle as the as the fourth, like, like, there's still a ton of travel and a ton of time away from from your family and a ton of time, you know, living out of a suitcase and a, a, a guy who's been around as long as he has. I mean, he's earned the right to if, if he wants to 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 spend more time with his family, that's a beautiful thing for him. I think that would be that would be great for him if that's what if that's what he wants. We will miss him. Um, but also, I mean, his contract. It doesn't feel like it's a cynical like uh, play for more money, uh, that kind of a thing. But, uh, but yeah, there and, and you know, who knows what Rodgers even thinks? Like they, they'd have to offer him a contract to come back, and maybe they're thinking of moving on. Maybe who knows? Who knows? But, uh, but yeah, it, it's hard to think about what the the you know you know in the back of your mind uh, what it would be like uh, without him because he has been around for so so long and such a such an important part of it. Um, but yeah, also, uh, you know, I'm happy to see him continue or, or not continue on his own terms.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you, you refer to him as Mr. Blue Jay there and, and that's absolutely right. I think it's also worth noting for Blue Jays fans that he's a, you know, he's a baseball institution that goes beyond the Blue Jays and maybe, you know, the average, I was, I don't, I have no idea why this is a team that my mind pulled out. I said, I was going to say Miami Marlins fan. Uh, I don't know if there are any of those, but hypothetically, the average Miami Marlins fan may not know him, but, you know, at, I just remember the ballpark, like batting practices, and he would always know, you know, the opposing manager somehow, and he would know a couple of their hitting, you know, the hitting coach and the pitch. Like he would always have 13 different people to talk to and hold court with and joke with, laugh with, um, you know, he'd just been around the game so long and he's so ingrained in the game that kind of as a baseball man, which is the cliche that people like to run away from nowadays, but he, he really was that and is that, and, you know, will continue to be that as long as he wants to be. Um, but his sort of value and, you know, the knowledge he has and the stories he has, uh, it goes beyond what he's given to Blue Jays fans as well. And I, I think that that's worth noting. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And then Simon Hout's piece, which is uh, in the gold mail, like the, it mentioned, like, he was calling the Cal Ripken streak, like, consecutive games game and uh you know did he, did he manage the u.s at the world baseball classic like he did something you know he like yeah he is absolutely despite being mr blue jay he is absolutely uh a, a grand figure in the game and it is you know because we because he's ours we kind of sometimes lose sight of that but like like you say yeah like i mean just imagine imagine like 35 four well not like 50 years of being on the field at batting practice six months a year and just literally everyone on every team coming through you know from him being a player to a broadcaster for decades like that the networking that he's done is just incredible and that's uh, that's why you see things i'm sure like the like the 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 13 conversations he needs to have just to to, just to you know stay stay up with all the people that he knows because he's just he's such a baseball institution absolutely
0: Probably all that networking without the benefit of LinkedIn either. I think he was probably able to do that all analog, which is a lesson to (laughs) you you young. I don't know who I'm trying to talk to here. You youngsters who are always on your LinkedIn. Um, Before we get out of here, one last thing. Atkins, uh, you know, not the type of guy who who likes to make definitive statements. I think we know that.
1: (laughs) That That's accurate, yes.
0: However, he did say that John Schneider was a long term fit for the Blue Jays. Uh, that seems about as much as you're going to get in terms of a confirmation of a who is going to get that interim tag taken off. As manager, it, again, it is not literally 100%, but this seems like it's what they've always wanted. He didn't give them an excuse for it not to happen because he has taken this team to the playoffs. Maybe a true collapse would have made them reevaluate their plans. Maybe it would have made things a little bit more difficult. It feels like this has always been the idea to get Schneider in. That he is someone that they really respect and think highly of. Not to say Montoya wasn't it. You know, they picked Montoya. It wasn't like Montoya was someone they they inherited. But I, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting thing for Atkins to do, just because you know he he's normally well. You could call that slightly cagey. He's